I wish you were here. For real. You may be at home right now watching with your home group or phone may be on your dash driving to the beach and you're trying to catch church online. But there's just a few of us in this room and I'm telling you, it's just different. I love doing church at home, meeting with our home group and trying to include our neighbors and what's going on. It's been awesome. It's been really special. I've enjoyed getting to teach the Bible lesson to my children on Sundays and getting to go through the scripture together with my wife, but it's just different. It's different to get to sing out loud in a room with other people and for the music to be loud enough for you to not worry about what you sound like. It's different when, when, when Jesus said that, man, when multiple of you are gathered, I'm right there with you. He meant it. And there's something that we are so looking forward to as a church on July the 12th when we can come back together in person and gather. And, and if you don't know it now, let me tell you, you were made for this, for each other. We were made to encourage each other, to need each other, to you borrow some of my faith and I'll borrow some of yours and you teach me and I'll share what I have with you. That's how we were meant to do life. And this season has just made that so clear to us. So we're so excited about gathering together again in person in July. And for these next few weeks, we're gonna be jumping into a new series where we're gonna be talking through the book of Colossians. If you're not familiar with the book of Colossians, it's a letter that, that Paul writes to a church, a small faith community in a town called Colossae. And one of the things that you're gonna see about Colossae that was just like the other communities of faith where, where you had genuine Jesus followers in places where there weren't a lot of genuine Jesus followers, they were all marked by a couple of things. And as a church, our vision statement is that we want to be a life-giving church marked by the presence of God that activates us to impact others. We get those ideas from the churches that gathered together in the New Testament. And one of the things that was true about all of them is they were generous people. They shared, they gave out of what they had, some out of their deep poverty, some who, who didn't have extra to give and gave anyway, some who had a lot extra to give and gave a lot and they were marked in those communities by their generosity. So I just wanna say, thank you. As we try to build a church that's anchored in the New Testament communities of faith that were gathered, we too want to be a community of faith that's marked by our generosity. Whether we have plenty and we share plenty or whether we're marked by our poverty and we marked by how we give out of that, either way, we wanna give first. And so thank you for those of you in our church who've, who've chosen to give, to support so that we can be a blessing in the communities where God has called us. Thank you so much. And for those who haven't, please, if you, if you feel uh, called or led or if, there's, if God has blessed you and you want to bless back or to get some of the roots of, of greed that have, that have grown around your heart in this season, if you wanna get those out, please go to newspring.cc or give on the Newspring app and allow us to partner with you in seeing the kingdom of God come here in our state as we embrace a life of generosity as well. So I told you we're getting ready to go into a series where we're talking through Colossians for a little while. And we're gonna read through it chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and we want you to follow along with us. And there's an easy way you can do that. You can get out your phone and text, read my Bible to 30303, and we'll send it to you and you can follow along. So I'm gonna read it. We'll read it along together. The words will be on the screen and we'll go through this. We're gonna read the entire first chapter. And this is so good, this is so rich. So let's, come on, let's, let's read this together. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. 
we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all of God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and is growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who's a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, who also told us of your love in the spirit. For this reason, listen to this, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all the power according to his glorious might so that you may have a great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who, here you go, has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. The Son is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For in Him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He's before all things and in Him, all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether making, whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that's been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I've become its servant by the commission that God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Father, we lift this to you, this teaching to you, this time together to you, this worship to you, these prayers to you, our church to you. We just ask, Father, would you come and join us? Would you Would you teach us the spirit of the book of Colossians? Would you show to us the heart Paul had as he writes and pens this letter? Would you you use this to strengthen us and encourage us, to grow us? For 
everyone watching, Father, would we be, would we be strengthened and grown and encouraged in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for that, Caleb. I am so excited about jumping into a Bible study of the book of Colossians. I'm gonna say that again for the people in the back. I'm excited about jumping into a Bible study. You know why? Because right now in our world, we don't need less of God's word. Come on, we need more of God's word. So I'm excited about every single week in our uh, house-to-house iteration of our weekend experience to read big chunks of scripture in our lounge rooms. I'm looking forward to hearing big chunks of scripture read throughout the week as we study the Bible together. We are living in a very noisy time. There's so much noise in the world right now. And I've got some bad news for you. That ain't gonna change anytime quick. There isn't a button, there isn't a switch that you can flick that will turn all the noise down. We don't get a choice on whether or not there's gonna be a lot of noise around us, but we all get a choice on whose voice we will focus in on in this season. And it's my heart's hope and my heart's prayer as a no ordinary family, we would be known for leaning into God's voice when we need his direction. So the book of Colossians, it was a letter written to to a church that was marked by fear, that was marked by frustration that was marked by falsehood that had been spun around. And because of that, division was created. In many ways, Colossians was a letter written to us. Chapter one begins with Paul just saying hello to everybody and and extending greetings and praying for the community. And then he launches into this beautiful drawing of a picture that would try to unpackage the real, beautiful, big, and powerful Jesus. Why? Because trying to deal with division in society, trying to deal with frustration in a people, trying to deal with falsehood that is flying left and right, up and down, must begin with a refocusing on our picture of Jesus. Having said that, I have to acknowledge that it's really easy as you go through life to get an obscured picture of Jesus, to not see him clearly. In fact, I would say that for anyone who's been in any kind of journey with Jesus, they would know that there are so many forces and factors in the world trying to mess with the way you really see Jesus and cause you not to see Jesus the way he wants to be seen. Our upbringing obscures the way we see Jesus. You know, this is the way that my mother raised me or my father raised me or the way that my grandmama used to talk about Jesus and this is just the way he is and the way he'll always be. Our upbringing can obscure the way we see Jesus. Our denominational backgrounds can obscure the way we see Jesus. This is the right way to see Jesus. This is the wrong way to see Jesus. And if you see Jesus this way, you're gonna get to heaven. If you don't see Jesus this way, you're gonna be left out. Our denominational backgrounds can obscure the way we see Jesus. Our personal biases can obscure the way we see Jesus. We all love Jesus being the way we are, you know, looking the way we look, sounding the way we sound, believing the things that we believe, voting the way that we would vote. 
For many people, they have framed or formed a picture of Jesus that actually is there to reaffirm the narrative that they have created, not necessarily trying to understand who Jesus is in eternity. Our personal biases, our leanings, our preferences can obscure the way we see Jesus. Pain can obscure the way we see Jesus. A season of disappointment, feeling like you were let down, can cause you to see Jesus as less than he really is. Shame can can affect the way we see Jesus. It, It can cause us to try to create some space or some distance between ourselves and Jesus. We we look at him out of the corner of our eye because we're afraid of the look that he'll give us. There are so many things in our journey that can obscure the way we see Jesus. But now, more than ever, we need to remove remove the things that are obscuring our view and press in afresh and anew into the person who really is Jesus, the everlasting God, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the one who is under all things, above all things, in all things. Our only hope going forward is not less Jesus, it's more Jesus. It's not an obscure, twisted Jesus. It's a 4K, ultra HD Jesus like he wants to be seen. So that's the reason after the the introductions and the welcomes, Paul moves into a beautiful drawing of Jesus. And you'll read about this in chapter one, verse 15 through to 20. That's what he's doing here. He's drawing Jesus for us again, afresh and anew with unadulterated purity. Verse 15, this is Jesus. He's the son of the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him reconcile all things to himself. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace, through his blood shed on the cross. I'm gonna encourage you, if you have a notebook, you can open up your notebook now, a note app on on the phone that you choose to use, open that up now. We're gonna do a Bible study together and I'm believing it's gonna bring so much more clarity about who Jesus is today and who Jesus wants to be for us tomorrow. It's going to uh, uh, deal with so much distortion that's in the earth right now. So is it cool if we all get a little bit geeky together? Come on, do a Bible study together as we move through this beautiful drawing of who Jesus is is. The first thing Paul is saying is Jesus is the son and he's the image of the invisible God. Or in other words, he's saying Jesus is God. Can you write that down? Jesus is God. That word image doesn't mean he's a representation of or he's like a copy of. No, that word image literally means exactly. Jesus is exactly God. He's not a moral leader, 
He's not a religious teacher. He's not just a historical figure. He is God. And because he is God, can you write this down as well? He is bigger than you think. Right here, right now, I can guarantee you, as big as you think Jesus is, he's bigger than that. We all love by nature as human beings to contain Jesus, to contain God. You know why? Because we all love a comfortable, contained Jesus. That doesn't mess with our lives very much, you know what I'm saying? If he's only so big, it doesn't mess with the areas of our life we don't want him to mess with. We're all like kind of Ricky Bobby and Talladega Nights, you know what I'm saying? I like seeing the sweet baby Jesus. You know, we pray, oh dear Jesus, eight pounds, six ounce, little infant Jesus. We all love a comfortable, contained Jesus, but I'm here to let you know our Jesus is bigger than you give him credit for. And we need to hear that right now because that means his love is bigger, his grace is bigger, his mercy is bigger, his justice is bigger, his ability to move in the chaos is bigger than you give him credit for. He is the image of the invisible God, God in his fullness with us. Jesus is bigger. It goes on to say that he is the firstborn over all creation. That means Jesus is supreme. That means he is forever ranked number one. Every single season, irrespective of the recruiting class, Jesus ends up, come on, ranked number one. He is El Capitan, he is El Jefe, he is numero uno, he is number one. Firstborn does not mean that he was the first made. We all know that Jesus was begotten, not created. So speaking of firstborn here, the Bible isn't talking about chronology, but supremacy. It means that he is number one and forever will be. And we need to get that deep into our spirit because Jesus is number one. That means by default, he makes a terrible number two. He makes a terrible backseat driver not in control. I've got a confession to make that I'm a, I'm a terrible backseat driver, I am. Well, if I'm driving along, I always have kind of feedback to offer because I always think that I can do a better job. If we're driving along and I feel like you're going too slow, I'll ask you to pick it up. If you're going too fast, I'll call you Mara Andretti. If you're kind of swerving around a little bit, I'll say pick a lane. There have been times where I've had people pull over on the side of the road and say, you just take over. I've got a warning for you. If you wanna do a relationship with Jesus, get ready for a relationship with the potential worst backseat driver you will ever experience you know why? Because by nature, he is number one. By nature, he is king. By nature, he is the one who should be in charge. And here's the good news. If you would let him be in charge, it's amazing how your life would turn out because no one knows more about your life and loves your life more than him. Maybe right now, someone here in this room needs to pull over on the side of the road and let Jesus finally take over. Let him talk about your marriage. Let him talk about your business. Let him talk about your money. Let him talk to you about current events. Jesus makes a terrible backseat driver, but the most amazing leader, if you would let him be that. We'll keep on going. The Bible says here, for in him all things were created, Everything in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. What's Paul saying here? As he's drawing a picture of Jesus, he's saying he's the creator. He's behind all things, he's above all things, he is under all things. 
And that word all things, or those words all things in the Greek mean all things. There is nothing in this earth that Jesus didn't put his fingerprint on. That means the brother and sister who is different than you. If you look closely, they bear the tag made in Jesus. It means this world that you feel is falling apart. No, he loves it because this world was made in Jesus. It breaks my heart when I hear so many people thinking that Jesus has lost control. I can't tell you how many messages I've received over the last couple of weeks saying, Dan, this is, this is a massive attack of the enemy and, and this, it's secular media or this agenda or that agenda. And, 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 I, and I recognize that, that it is natural to, to feel seasons or moments of fear, but don't let that grip your heart when the reality is there is an authority in the universe that isn't under Jesus' authority. There isn't a power in the earth that isn't less powerful than King Jesus because he is the creator, he is above all things, he is under all things, and he is in all things. I love how it goes on to say that all things have also been created through him and for him. What a beautiful reminder that Jesus didn't, make all, didn't only just make all things, but all things were made for him. Jesus is the answer to the age-old question, what is life about? What is the purpose of my existence? The answer is Jesus. So by default, if you're not living your life right now for Jesus, if you follow that to its logical end, we're wasting it. Because anything made for a purpose, not being used for that purpose, is a waste. I have a good friend of mine who makes power tools really good power tools. And we actually were catching up last night and I was showing him our new house and, and, our, and our little garage and he was saying, you know what, you need a wall full of power tools. And I told him, it'd be a waste. Beyond a waste, it would be dangerous to my health because I don't know how to use power tools. But he's like going, no, 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 I can give you whatever you want. I can give you like a circular saw, I can give you a jigsaw, I can give you a drill. And I told him, you can give it to me, but it'll never be used, it'll be a waste. In the same way, you can make millions of dollars, but unless you're doing it for him, it's a waste. You can play sport and end up doing it professionally, but if you don't do it for him, it's a waste. Come on, you can grind in your nine to five to make yourself a better life, but unless you do it for him, it's a waste. Come on, you can search and search and search and try to find that right relationship, Mr. Right who completes you. You can find the greatest relationship in the world, but unless you do relationship for him, come on, it's a waste. Because everything in creation wasn't only made by him, but it's actually meant to be for him. But the cool thing is when you flip it and you start living your life, no matter what it looks like right now for him, all of a sudden you step into deep and profound purpose. All things were created by him and for him. Let's keep reading. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Can I just say this to you right now and can you grab this prophetically in your heart that right now Jesus is holding all things together. I know it feels like things are being pulled apart. He is holding all things together. I know things feel more divided than ever but he, he is holding all things together. Because of the person of Jesus, every atom, every element is held together. Do you know that Jesus is in my bottle? You see on the surface, this is water, but this isn't just water, this is H2O. You know who holds the H and the two and the O all together? It is Jesus. 
Because of Jesus, I've got a bottle of water. Without Jesus, this thing would explode apart. And as is true for this bottle, so is the case for your family. So is the case for your marriage. So is the case for your bank account. So is the case for your future. So is the case for our society. Things are painful right now, I understand. But Jesus, by his nature, promises to hold all things together. I've heard from friends over the last couple of weeks, I just hate all the division. And I'm here to let you know, Jesus hates it too. In his heart is unity. But here's the good news. Not only does he have unity in his heart, he has strength in his hands and compassion in his being to do what only he can do and to heal what needs to be healed, to change what needs to be changed, to correct what is unjust and bring unity. We'll keep on going. It says here that he is the head of the body, the church. This is a simple biology lesson. Anything without a head is dead. <laughs> Anything with more than one head is a freak. The church was always meant to be led by Jesus, who is its head. And the church here, our church, New Spring Church, will always fight to make sure that Jesus' agenda is the agenda that we live for, we fight for, and by the grace of God, we would die for. And I know that many people watching right now already know that, but if you're sitting on the edges and kind of asking this question, what is this New Spring Church all about? We're here to let you know we're about Jesus's leadership, his guidance, his heart, his love, his compassion, his justice, his mercy to be felt in the state of South Carolina and all around the world. You know why? Because I don't want to be part of a dead church. I don't want to be part of a freaky church. I want to be a part of a church where Jesus is the head. He goes on to say he's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. That means Jesus is undefeated. Now when he says he's the firstborn from among the dead, it doesn't mean that he is the first one who was resurrected. Elijah and Elisha in the Old Testament performed resurrection miracles. Even in Jesus' story, Lazarus was resurrected. So recognize when he says he's the firstborn from among the dead, he's not saying he was the first one to be resurrected. This is not speaking of chronology again, but supremacy, or in other words, he is the greatest. He has total and absolute resurrection power. He is the reigning, undefeated champion, overcoming sin, overcoming death. And you can hold him to that. That no matter what battle is raging right now in society, Jesus is undefeated and he will remain undefeated. He will have the final say over death. He will have the final say over a financial downturn. He will have the final say over COVID-19. He will have the final say over racism. Jesus is undefeated. He is supreme. And finally, as he's finishing off his picture and coloring it in, he makes this statement, for God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him reconcile to himself all things. Just reflect on that. Jesus 
came to earth not to start another religion, not to beat a bunch of people down, but to reconcile all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus is bigger than you think. Jesus is supreme. Jesus is creator and keeper of the universe. Jesus is the purpose of life. Jesus will hold all things together. Jesus is the leader of this church. Jesus is undefeated. And Jesus will be our reconciler in a day where we need reconciliation more than ever. Saying that Jesus is a reconciler is just presuming that we all know that there is a division between heaven and earth, man and their brother, woman and their sister. But Jesus comes into the middle of the muck and the mire to be our reconciler. Jesus is the CEO and the president of Reconciliation Incorporated. He is good at doing what only he can do. Taking enemies, and turning them into brothers and sisters. Taking an impossible situation and turning it into a testimony of his grace like never before. We need reconciliation. The good news is, that is who he is. By his blood, he brings reconciliation between a sinful earth and a perfect father in heaven. Vertical reconciliation. But at the foot of the cross, you know what we get? We get horizontal reconciliation. As we experience his power and his goodness and his grace, all level at the foot of the saving cross. Jesus is a reconciler and we need that reconciler more than I remember the first country music song that I ever heard. It was 2007. In Australia, there's not a lot of country music, but I was doing a camp in Seattle, Washington, and I was being driven around by somebody who was originally from the South, and I asked him about country music. We're talking about songs that get us hyped up to preach. And he talked about this song that he was listening to at the moment, and so he played it for me. First country music song I ever heard, it was Jesus Take the Wheel by Carrie Underwood. And so every single time we'd roll out to the night session at this camp, we would just have this blasting, Jesus, take the wheel. It was like, it was getting deep within our being. And I can't tell you how many times in the last few days I've actually prayed that prayer. We need you. Because no president, no politician, no policy, no pro athlete, no prince, no pastor can write what only the reconciler can write. So I'm gonna ask you as we wrap up our time together, would you allow Jesus in your heart, in your home, and in your life to take the wheel? Knowing that as you see this big and beautiful Jesus and you hold on to that, that the change we need will come, 
the peace we beg for will be our reality. Will you allow Jesus to take the wheel? What does that mean? Will you worship him more in these days than worry? Will you pray more for his will to be done than to post? Will you choose to adore him more than argue with the people around you? Will you lean into more of God's word and the good news than that news network that you love? Jesus, take the wheel. So that's what I'm gonna simply do. I'm gonna wrap up our time by just singing for you. Jesus, take the wheel. I really will not do that. But I'm gonna pray this with you. I'm gonna ask you to pray this with me. Maybe in your lounge room, maybe in the car as you're listening right now. Jesus, take the wheel. Hey, Jesus, right now we say to you that we need I'm gonna say that out loud right now. We need you. In a broken world, we need you. In fear and frustration, we need you. In dark days, we need you. So we give you control. Jesus, who is bigger than I give you credit for. Jesus is who, who is supreme. Jesus who is above all things and under all things. Jesus who holds all things together. Jesus who alone can reconcile. We need you. Be the center again. Take this wheel in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.